Welcome to the Farcast here at Shadron State College. I'm Daniel Binkert with my co-host, Alex Helmbrecht, and we're here with the fantastic Aaron Norman, Associate Professor in Family and Consumer Sciences, and we're so glad you're joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad you guys asked me. Absolutely. Well, we always like talking to the FCS people. We've had Josh Ellis on before. We're trying to get Lori Hunt, so Lori, if you're watching, we're going to ask you soon. <laughs> you're next. And we hope you don't say no. Um, so, Aaron, we got, we got a few questions for you, as always. Uh, we want to know, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about your your upbringing. Where'd you grow up, and how did you end up coming to Shadron State College? I am from a tiny little town in southeast Nebraska called Ong, and I graduated from Sandy Creek High School, and I went to Westland, Nebraska Westland, one year, and it just really wasn't a big, good fit for me. So I transferred out to Shadron State thanks to my great uncle, Gary Musgrave, who used to be employed here. And uh, he asked if I'd ever heard of it. I said no. And so then I came out for a visit and I was like, wow, this is this is my crowd. This is my kind of people. This is my kind of community. I think this is somewhere where I could be very successful. And so I applied. I got accepted. I came out here and uh, it was all kind of downhill from there. I, <laughs> I met my husband here and that's why I still live here. So it was it was a really great experience. It was Kind of weird becoming back, coming back, and then being a professor here. Um, but it was still all good. I, I really like it. So, who was the best professor that you had as a student? Oh, <laughs> do we dare ask? <laughs> well, let's, Actually, let's put it this way. He hasn't been gone that long. He's who, who not stood even out? here anymore. His name was uh, Mr. Fillmore. Oh, yeah. he taught uh, like the general biology and anatomy physiology courses that I took in the sciences. And I was not RHOP, um, but I was a human biology major for a very long time um, before I found nutrition and then um, Dr. Sutliff. So those between Fillmore and Sutliff, they were they would probably be up there in my in my top two. That's great. We know, that, you know, all the, all the professors here are good people, but, you know, we like to know. This person's a stand-up. That person's a stand-up. <laughs> he was pretty fantastic. Like I said, he, you know, anatomy and physiology is not the most exciting oh, yeah, yeah. class, and he could somehow make it really interesting. So that's a huge plus. Oh, yeah. Like well, I said, that's yeah. it's kind of some dry material, and he really made it a lot more interesting for sure. So That's great. Yeah. So so you mentioned that you were from Ong, Nebraska, uh, actually before we started recording, and I had never heard of it, and I was actually <laughs> near there this weekend, and I didn't see a sign for it. So I'm assuming it's a small <laughs> town. Is it incorporated? Yeah. Or? It is not incorporated anymore. Okay. It was okay. when I first moved there. Um, like I said, it's like 50 people now. And So how many was in your graduating class? Uh, well, so I went to Sandy Creek, so that's five towns combined now. Um, and then I opted in since Ong is not part of those five towns. Um, and I actually had a big class. I think it was like 39 or something like oh, that. Wow. So <laughs> I'm Huge. sure other people that are from bigger schools are like 39. Oh my gosh, that's small. But how no. big was yours? Mine was so Ponca is th a thousand people and mine was about 42. Oh my. Uh, for the K through 12 schools, like 300, 350 or something like that. Oh wow. Back then. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So I, I graduated from McCook High School. Oh. And the, yeah, sorry. And uh, <laughs> it, it was like 180 something. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. huge. My cousins graduated from McCook. So, yeah. yeah. Go Bison. And was that like a normal size graduating class? I think it was on the big size. Okay. Um, I don't know. I wasn't in the top 10 academically. So, I, I mean, it's probably not a shocker to anyone who knows me. But, <laughs> but it was a big class. I was definitely in the top half. Oh, yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, mine was kind of a big class, though, for Sandy Creek at the time. I think they are all about that size now, but we are, I don't know, maybe they were downhill trending from there for a while. Well, but yeah, I'm, so I'm sure you probably felt right at home when you came to CSC, yeah. similar size. Not, yeah. Not, obviously, there's more than 40 students here, but, right. but uh, the class sizes are small. You get yeah. to know your professors, so yeah. a lot of great, uh, probably a lot of similarities yeah. to what you experienced. In and the small school. town community, too, because, I mean, to go from a town of 50 people or even from there, before that, before I lived in Ong, I lived in Edgar, which was like 550. So, I mean, small towns, and then to go to Lincoln, it was just like way too much, and I, yeah, I had to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. Um, so, your bachelor's degree is from CSC, like we yes. mentioned. Did you ever think you'd wind up teaching here while you, while you were a I had no idea. I, like I said, I was a human biology major initially, um, thought I wanted to be a nurse, then found out I don't like blood and it makes me pass out. So I just like, oh, I should change majors. <laughs> so then I took a nutrition class with Dr. Sutliff and uh, then I kind of got hooked on that. So I switched and got really lucky, uh, actually, because then after I graduated, I realized that there's really not a lot you can do with a nutrition major in the state of Nebraska. It's just for licensure and insurance reasons and stuff. Um, so your options as far as getting a job are a little bit limited. So I decided to pursue dietetics, and that's everybody I'd talked to. They're like, if you really want a job in nutrition in the state, you need to get a license. And I'm like, okay. So I looked into it, and it had all of these science requirements. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got so lucky because I only had medical terminology to finish. Nice. Oh, Otherwise, I would, have, I would have been having to go back for like a second bachelor's degree. So I got really, really lucky there, and I really do believe that this is where I'm supposed to be because of a lot of the, the luck and the way things just kind of fell together. Um, and so I went to Eastern Michigan University, and by then I'd already met my husband, and we'd gotten married. I already had one kid. And, you know, you can't really pick up a ranch and move it, so moving was not an option. Um, and like I said, I wanted to have a job that I enjoyed, and and so, yeah, I applied to Eastern Michigan University master's degree in dietetics. And there, at the time, they were one of the few programs that did an online program. There just weren't very many. And they only accepted 50 students. And I remember somebody telling me once, they're like, oh, well, just don't be surprised when you don't get in. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thanks for the badge of encouragement yeah, there. That was really nice of you. But I got in. So I was like, well, and that was crazy. It's, um, it's a very intense um, two-year program, um, which for me got drug out because I had another kid in between there. <laughs> um, I have five kids, by the way. And so, yeah, that got really kind of drug out. And so it was three years and I got my license. And I think I was a month away from actually graduating when Yvonne Moody called me because I had put something on Facebook about, I am never doing homework again. <laughs> I'm never taking another class again. I am, you know, like a couple few weeks away from getting my dietetics license, master's degree and all that stuff. And she was on the phone. She was like, have you ever thought about teaching? She's like, we need somebody over here. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And then I get all, you know, apply. And I, I think I adjuncted once for a semester and then I applied in the spring and got hired on. And they're like, oh, by the way, you need to start your PhD. And I'm like, oh, man, more classes. <laughs> <laughs> but it Should all worked out. It. I know. I think it was like somebody like laughing at me because I, yeah, I've never taken another class again. Seven years later, lots of courses. And 
finally finished my PhD. So oh, that's great. Go. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So you've been here seven years. Yep. Time flies. It, it does. does fly. It seems like it was only like two or three years ago that I took your photo and old admin on that new faculty orientation. Yeah. That bad picture. <laughs> you, you look great in that photo. Yeah, Dan, Daniel doesn't take bad pictures. Now, now I might have a dumb question, but what's the difference between nutrition and dietetics? Oh, yeah. I think they are just so interchangeably used. Um, okay. okay. So dietetics is anybody can understand or. I guess, give advice for nutrition. You're not supposed to. It's actually illegal in the state of Nebraska and a lot of your other surrounding states. Um, for but, me to give Daniel nutritional advice? Yeah. Quit eating all that, <laughs> quit eating all that gluten. Never. I'm going to eat but all the gluten. I think the where we're dietetics is more, um, it's associated with that licensure, really. And so it's uh, overseen by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and, and the ASEND is their uh, accreditation body. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's more in depth, like, you know, what would you do for somebody who had a heart attack and then they, you know, had all these other complications and, and so where somebody who's like more certified in nutrition, you know, they're kind of more dealing with just like your typical losing some weight, you know, yeah. maybe reducing some high blood pressure, that kind of stuff. Whereas dietetics, I mean, you're like really in there, like, what do you do and how much, you know, how much fat, carbohydrate and protein are you going to give somebody who's on like a TPN, which is the IV and they, you know, are unconscious and they're only eating through their IV, you know, what, what would you do for them and how much would you give them and stuff like that? So it's like, it's really intense. And, and that's where I think a lot of people get confused about it when they say, oh, I want to, you know, to go into nutrition and, and become a registered dietitian. And then they realize that they are basically getting a pre-med degree yeah. <laughs> with an emphasis in nutrition. I've lost many a students <laughs> who keep on telling me, they're like, oh, I want to be a dietitian. And so I send them over to the sciences and they're like, this isn't what I thought it was. And I'm like, that's, yep, that, but that's what it is. So, nice. and, it, and I always tell students too, I'm like, you know, if you're, when you're in the ICU and you're doing your rounds with the group of the, you know, you have the psychology, you have occupational therapy, the doctor, the nurses, you know, pharmacies there, you're there. And they're all talking their doctor lingo and they're telling, you know, what, what happened overnight or what's been happening the last week. Like you got to be able to step in and, and talk their language and, and really, you know, go make, make some good suggestions for the benefit of that patient. So wow. yeah. it can be really intense. I'm glad there's people like that and, um, mm -hmm. who, who can do that because I know it's certainly not one of my skills. So <laughs> kudos to you. Yeah, there. it's, it's a lot. That's uh, and I just think there's, there's a little bit of miscommunication as far as what that, uh, expectations are between the two different areas. So, yeah. And I'm sure it's always maybe interesting dinner table conversations with your husband, with the ranch, with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't eat red meat, eat red meat, <laughs> stuff like that. So I'm, I'm sure you probably are always a, a fun um, dinner guest. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of people actually avoid me because they, they really <laughs> don't want to hear what I have to say because they're like afraid of what I might say. Or, or my favorite is like where I'll see somebody at Walmart and they're like trying, don't look at my cart. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I <laughs> promise you, I will not judge because you know, we're all human and some Sometimes you just got to get by. And, you know, when I was in grad school, I had three kids at the time. And and even now with my dissertation and my PhD, I'm not going to lie. There were sometimes craft macaroni and cheese in my cupboard because I was trying to get my big paper done, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you just got to survive sometimes. 
So I get it. That's a staple. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I don't eat like that all the time and I try not to let my kids eat like that very often either, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So, so you're the mom that brings celery and carrots rather than (laughs) than brownies and cake. Um, I do a lot of cheese sticks and and stuff like that too. Okay. All right. But yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> My mom always used to bring like oranges to birthday parties. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a little messy. <laughs> bring I, some fruit snacks. <laughs> I know. My kids are like, I want a Lunchable for lunch. I'm like, no. They're, they're so overpriced. <laughs> you, I can cut you up some salami and cheese and, yeah. and save myself like $5 at least. It's so. just the, uh, they want the Oreos or the cookies yes. in it. Or, yeah. yeah. Or the cool package. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not even going to fill you up. My kids eat all the time. And I was just like, if I sent that as your school lunch, <laughs> you would be, you would need like four of them to fill you up. So no. <laughs> yeah. Well, Aaron, let's talk about, I mean, I kind of want to continue the question or the, uh, the idea of where your passion for all this food stuff came from and how that developed. And then also for somebody who might be interested in it, what, what are the classes like with, mm-hmm. if you're going down this road? Yeah. Um, I guess I would say I've, I've kind of always been interested in it, but never thought that that was where I would go, I guess. Um, you know, I remember growing up in like, especially the nineties, uh, well, the late, I don't remember much of the eighties, but I was alive then. Um, but like just, there was so much diet stuff out there. And I remember my mom, my mom and my her uh, her mom and her friends, they would go on these diets and they would just like go on one and then they'd stop. And then these foods, I remember Fresca was like this really big pop type of drink back yeah. then too. And yeah, like the artificial sweeteners. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember all this stuff and I remember the struggles, you know, that my mom and her friends would have sometimes. And I just like gosh, that's just so strange, you know? And I don't don't think I ever really actually thought about it, but subconsciously, I think I paid attention to it. Um, And health, I've kind of always known that I wanted to do something kind of in the health or medical industry. And like I said, I don't like blood, apparently. I found out (laughs) through a bad, um, what was I doing, job shadowing experience. I found out that I really don't like blood. Was there a specific volume? That was a point? It was a lot in a in an ER situation. I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be there, but oh, yeah. just happened to walk by at the wrong time, and I was like, mm-hmm. "I suppose that's a good thing that it, in One the of end, those things you can't yeah. unsee." Yes, <laughs> once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. And so I, um, yeah, I was like, "Well, I definitely don't want to be a nurse then, you know, because that's something you'd have to be yeah. exposed to a lot." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just once I finally started taking. Um, uh, so a couple of nutrition classes, I, I really got interested in it, and and then it just kind of spurred from there. And you know, I I even remember struggling a lot um, with my own weight and and health. I mean, not I was never, I guess, I don't classify unhealthy. I guess I didn't have any like issues as a result of it, but I do remember struggling with my own weight and and stuff. And um, I think then once I I finally felt confident to think for myself. And, and, you know, the dietary guidelines are pushed on us a lot. And, and then the textbooks kind of all say the same thing. And, um, and I, I really found the individualism of it, um, yeah. not the same, the same thing's not going to work for everybody. And I think once I figured that part out, then nutrition really became even more interesting to me, um, and the many facets of it. And, and then dietetics was just a way to, um, 
get my information and my knowledge and experience and passion for it out there to other people, I guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah in a roundabout way, if that was <laughs> answered <Sure>. your question. <laughs> um, but the classes, um, they're, I think they'll, they're really hard, but interesting at the same time. It makes you think about food in a whole nother level. What do the students say about them? If we, if we could catch them in an unguarded moment and say, what do you really <laughs> think about these classes? Um, I think they would say that they feel like they've had the wool pulled over their eyes for a very long time, <laughs> uh-huh. and, and they're just starting to really see things for how they are versus how they thought they were. Um, I've had students before that, you know, like I go in my nutrition class, and we're getting more nutrition classes if, when we get our program accredited, yeah. um, but... Right now, I just teach one nutrition class, and um, the students are always just really shocked yeah. about, you know, how much more goes into our food, um, the politics behind it, the money behind it, uh, how things are labeled, how they can be labeled one way when it might actually be kind of fudging things a little bit there, yeah. um, and then just the details of it. Like, how does your body actually process that? Like, I go into it pretty deep, and um, students are always like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it's them think of food a yeah. lot differently than what they had previously. So. so they're shocked to know they can't drink four bangs before <clears throat> their 9 o'clock class. And then yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're saying I shouldn't do that? <laughs> so one of the, the big ones that I am really um, learning more and more about, though, is the fat like, that's one that, you know, for so many decades yeah, now, yeah. we've been told, like, don't eat fat, don't mm-hmm. eat fat, it's so bad for you. And and I actually even remember in a class I was taking in my master's degree program where we were talking about vegetable oil, which is, a, if you didn't know, a polyunsaturated omega-6. And they're really bad for you. <laughs> but then we go to another class where I'm ty- where we're learning like uh, nutrition, education, counseling, and things like that, and we're telling people to eat more of it, so then that way they can avoid eating butter, which at the time was still deemed a pretty horrible thing, saturated fat, bad, bad, bad. But and I'm just like, but you're telling them to eat this other thing that's bad. Like it just didn't right. make sense. It didn't weigh up. And I was just like what? And I said something and you could tell like the claws came out, the feathers got ruffled and, and this was going to go down a a road that I don't like to debate either. So I was just like, I could see this going down a road that was going to make me very uncomfortable and, and could maybe, you know, hurt some feelings and things. And so I just dropped it. Um, but yeah, that was all she was just like, cause that's what we do. That's what the recommendation is. And I was like, yeah, but why? Like, why are we recommending this when it's just as bad as saturated fat? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I remember and, hearing something about, like, the the cheese production has, like, increased. I don't know. I'm going to get the percentage wrong, but, like, 150% yeah. or something from, like, when we were kids, yeah. we didn't eat cheese we'd have like craft singles or whatever but that was it now there's just like aisles and aisles of cheese and because and it all goes back to because everything you want or need it has to be in this low fat version for a long time i remember you couldn't eat, i don't even think you could find yo play yogurt that had fat in it for like a decade <laughs> and mm. so it's just crazy and then the other thing i tell students i'm like you got to really pay attention to stuff too because if you ever see anything at the grocery store that says low fat it probably has more sugar and more salt than the regular version mm-hmm. and so i'm like you got to be really careful about that stuff just cuz it says low fat doesn't mean it's actually healthier yeah and just and then the other thing too is i think i think nutrition as a science is about to make um 
I don't want to say it like an about face, but, you know, kind of a pretty big change um, as far as our, our recommendations um, because the science on what we used to recommend is, I feel like, kind of starting to crumble a little bit. Mm. <laughs> so, interesting. yeah, so there's a lot behind it and it, it, it is really interesting and um, I, I would, I'm curious to see how it goes. Yeah. If you're, um, if you're interested about eating bad foods, you need to watch this YouTube chef, <laughs> uh, Maddie Matheson, uh, just like makes these things that they look so fantastic to eat, but it's just full of like bacon and butter mm -hmm. and all these other things. Mm -hmm. It looks really good though. So, what type so of, I think what butter type and bacon is actually good for you. Oh, good. So that's a staple of my diet, but I eat what, a lot of butter. What, I actually eat a very, so this is going back to like in college. And I said, I mean, I wasn't like super heavy, but I really struggled trying to keep a normal weight you know as a self-conscious girl coming into a community that in a college you know I wanted to you know sport it for the guys kind of deal <laughs> and stuff and, and make a good impression and and I did I've always kind of really struggled and I fluctuate I think I gained like the freshman 30 <laughs> part of that obviously was at Westland and then you know coming here and stuff so I yeah, mean blame I, Westland. <laughs> that doesn't happen at State. yeah but like <laughs> you know I just I I remember thinking gosh this is not working I did everything that you know they say in the dietary guidelines like low fat and and lots of fruits and vegetables and stuff like that and I finally just said I'm done and I just kind of threw in the towel and I went back to eating the foods that I actually really like like I'm the type of person if I have a steak I try to eat like I try to one get the most fattiest looking one that I can and then I eat the fat first like that's my favorite part, like the crunchy, crispy part on the steak. Like that's actually my favorite yeah. part of the steak. And and I went back to doing that and it really actually changed my life. Like I, I really, you know, when you're consciously dieting, you're just hungry all the time and yeah. you're just miserable and that's all you can think about. And and when I started going back to drinking whole milk and eating more fat and not caring that, you know, butter at the time was so bad for you. I'm doing my air quotes here if you can't you can't see that. But um, when I when I went back to like cooking like my grandma always used to do and stuff and eating like my grandma used to do, like all my problems went away and I didn't have to think about it anymore. And so that's kind of the background that I came from that makes me question a lot of the things that we recommend and why do we recommend it. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm not saying it's right either because sure. I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out too in my own. There's there's so much new research coming out about all that stuff. It just it's making it makes it confusing. So I get why the general public is yeah. just like this is ridiculous. Well yeah, it's, it's always evolving. <laughs> yeah. Oh it is. And it's it's hard to keep up with. And there's there's so many diets and so many food products and it's just oh yeah. it's a lot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. so it is it is it safe to use cooking spray? I do. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so uh, kind of you, you alluded to uh, the nutrition and dietetics uh, accreditation that's going on, but you, you're the program director for I the am. nutrition and dietetics program uh, that CSC has uh, with one of our sister colleges, Wayne State. Tell us a little bit more about that, kind of a unique program between the two colleges. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, previously, to be a registered dietitian, you could have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree as long as from an accredited institution. And in 2024, that's all going to change, and you will no longer be able to uh, get a, a registered dietitian license without a master's degree. You ha or did I say that right? You have to have a master's degree to become okay. a registered dietitian. Um, and so with that... There was this uh, time when we were thinking about going to what was called a future bachelor's degree 
Um, and basically it was a way to get registered dietitian technicians. So it's like a step down from a, a registered dietitian. Um, so we were looking at that avenue and then the accreditation body decided not to have those, um, and kind of did away with it. And so we are going for a DPD program, which is a didactic program in dietetics. And, uh, basically it's kind of like a first step so students can go on to a future graduate program at the master's level to then become a registered dietitian. So, so uh, like the cohort, it, it would exist of students both in Shattern and in Wayne? Yeah. And, and so, like, will you teach Wayne students? And yeah. Wayne professors we're, teach? we're still working on all the little details and okay. that kind of stuff on how our partnership is actually going to um, work out. Um, but we are anticipating like the students would take their required science courses because you're still going to have to take like the anatomy, the physiology, all the way up through biochems, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then I think we will share the nutrition classes like medical nutrition therapy one and two. Those will be shared and like nutrition across the life cycle, education, nutrition, education and counseling. Um, some of those bigger classes that have to be taught by a registered dietitian. Um, will be shared between the two campuses. And this kicks off next fall? Yeah. Hopefully? We have our accreditation site visit coming up here in November, and then we would be able to start accepting our first students in the fall 2022. That's exciting. It is. It yeah, is exciting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it will allow us to really uh, step up the, our game and nutrition and what we're teaching here on campus and go in deeper like I've always kind of really wanted to. But Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so. awesome. And I, I think, you know, just the way, with the way things are in this community and in our region, I would think a lot of opportunities for those students to take those skills and, and maybe intern or yeah. I don't know what exactly the program looks like, but yeah. certainly give back in some way. Yeah, they won't have to do internships or anything at this point because all of that stuff uh, has to be supervised under a registered oh. dietitian um, and that will be done at the master's level. Okay. So we're just in charge of making sure that they get the coursework. However, we're going to try to make it as uh, hands-on, um, you know, community involvement if we can and when we can and uh, very you know, active-based competency type of learning. Uh, so that way our students really understand what they're doing instead of just, you know, there's a difference between reading it and knowing it versus doing it and knowing it. Yeah. And and we want to make sure that our students can do it and know it too. So, Great. Yeah. So uh, I understand you recently received your PhD. <laughs> yes, I did. That was hard. <laughs> you got through it, survived. I uh, did survive. Uh, tell us a little bit about, well, what the, what was the process like and what's, the, what's your dissertation? What um, I So I went to Walden University and mine is in uh, public health with a community health track. And it took me, well, about, yeah, about six and a half years um, and I, it would have probably taken me a little less, except I had two more kids during that process. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I've already said <laughs> it is a recurring theme here. <laughs> I always wanted a big family. I just didn't want to do it at the same time I was working on a dissertation, but anyways, a bit of a balancing act, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> but it was actually, uh, I would say besides the stress of it all, it was a really good experience. That's I think, good. you know, even, even though I love dietetics, I love nutrition, but you know, we're taught so much about everything, you know, as diet and exercise, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. And you're just like, 
Well, there's so many other things that play into why we have an unhealthy population and why we have mental health and how mental health can affect it or how, you know, people's economic status or where they're living. Like we live in rural, you know, Nebraska. And so how can that play into a person's health? And I think it just really opens your eyes to just health in general um, and how and I think it's made me even a better dietitian. Um, because now I, I try to think about more of the outside things that could be impacting their yeah. their overall health from a nutrition standpoint. Um, and, and not that I'm qualified to, you know, discuss that, but at least I have an understanding of where they're coming from so I can help them work with that um, right. and, and play into that and hopefully improve their health. So, but yeah, I, it was a long, a lot of coursework. Um, and my dissertation was, uh, trying to determine the, <laughs> what are the determinants of fruit and vegetable consumption in the panhandle of Nebraska. Turns yeah. out healthy stuff is <laughs> healthy eating self-efficacy is the big one. So um, cost uh, may have been a factor, but it wasn't in my study. Okay. Um, you know, that's usually what people say. Eating healthy is too expensive. Um, but it didn't turn up to be positive or uh, a significant factor or okay. determinant, uh, at least for the Panhandle region of Nebraska, which really? is really surprising. Yeah. I was really expecting it to be like the number one thing. Um, I think my other variables uh, were cooking skills, whether or not they felt like it, they could prepare it. Um, uh, let's see, social support, whether, uh, I was, I think I, I mainly talked about family support, not really friends, um, access, quality and cost of the fruits and vegetables and, and yeah, healthy eating self-efficacy. So do you feel like you can do it? If you believe it, you can do it apparently. And so you, <laughs> you surveyed Panhandle residents? I did. All all of the counties that classify as the Panhandle. Um, I think there was, I can't remember, I want to say it was Banner County, but now I can't remember. It wasn't even that long ago. Now I can't remember. Um, there was one county that I didn't have any responses from. Um, but, and most, I will say, most of my sample did from, come from Dawes County or Sheridan County sure. or Box Butte yeah. and then Scotts Bluff. Those were my big counties. Yeah. Um, but I think I had like 144 people respond to my survey. So I, that was. And so what, what did your study <clears throat> find? Basically that, you know, I mean, those other factors have been determinants or significant determinants in other studies. But just basically here in the panhandle, the big reason why people don't eat fruits and vegetables is because they don't believe they have the power to do it. So it's more of like a mind over matter kind mm. of kind of a situation um so like i said if you really truly believe that you should be doing it and that you can do it you probably will do it and if you you know kind of have all these excuses i guess yeah, you have for lack of a better yeah. way I, I then, then you that. I then you like won't the, the uh, mental block of um well i could fix something up or i could throw the pizza in the oven and call it good yeah yeah, because it sure Just is put easy some veggies to on top of that. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Now we found the happy medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was really interesting. Like I said, I I always hear that that it's just too expensive. It's too expensive, and then it was surprising that that was not the the big reason. Well, yeah, it wasn't significant my, anyway. There goes my next question. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of people think it's expensive. To eat yeah, healthy. yeah. I think it's I think it's a, a lot of mind over matter type of deal, and and so, so getting you have to want to eat that apple. I think you have to really you have to really make yourself believe you really want to do it or should do it before you'll probably end up doing it. So I I, I can speak from experience. My wife and I did this thing where we didn't really 
other than probably my multivitamin, didn't have sugar for a month mm-hmm. and um, ate an apple that first day and it tasted amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I think sometimes maybe we're oversaturated with these oh, yeah. fake sugars. I don't know if they're fake, but... Um, I would sugar. say all sugars in general. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like the things don't taste very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have found... As I've gotten older, I like to eat things that I hated as a kid, like yeah. Yeah. Brussels sprouts and you know, sauerkraut, things like that. I think that's just maturity of taste, though. And, and yeah, I think I think you're probably willingness right. to open up and try new things. Yeah. I was the same way, though. I used to hate onions with a passion. It didn't matter if I could, if they were, you know, like diced or big pieces or sauteed. I hated all of them. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, well, you know, I think it's more of a texture deal. So I've kind of found out like I actually do like onions as long as they're cooked the right way or yeah. something like that. So yeah. I don't know. I, I suppose even though we do technically live in like a food desert, <clears throat> the access to fresh fruit and vegetables is not bad. Yeah, we're not hurting. Uh, we're not. Hurting. No, and that's the be. crazy thing. So I was originally going to do my dissertation about food deserts and talking about food deserts because we technically kind of live right. in one. And then like I, you know, because your whole dissertation process is, is a very long time. So like when I started thinking about topics, this was like two years ago. And there, I mean, there's been a lot of research in the last five years on food deserts because it was such a big big thing for mm-hmm. a long time. And and then as I got closer to doing my dissertation, there were like more and more articles coming out saying it's not a big deal and it's not an influencer. And I'm like, oh. And so that's what I know. That's what I, I remember talking to a lady when we were supposed to be narrowing down our topics and she was like, but haven't they proven that that's not even a factor anymore, really? And I'm like, you read them too, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, so we can't do that. And I was throw all that paperwork away and start over. So yeah, that was, that was a frustrating part of my PhD for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. On it goes. Well, we've got this question about, I'm going to dive down this rabbit hole, Aaron. I I apologize (laughs) if it, and we'll probably have some, anyway, so you are a registered dietitian and licensed medical nutrition therapist. Mm -hmm. So what's the distinction between those? How do you incorporate them into the classroom setting? <laughs> They're pretty much the same thing. Oh, um, so, <laughs> so the deal is that in a, um, to practice in Nebraska, you have to be a registered dietitian, but they also require that you go through um, the Nebraska Health and Human Services Department and get your medical nutrition therapy license okay. in order to practice. And so it's kind of like, you know, like uh, teachers have to have their endorsement, or is it an endorsement, to teach in a specific mm-hmm. state. So you have to be like registered to practice in, or to teach in that state. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, except you have to have this LMNT in order to practice in Nebraska. And basically all you have to do is prove that you're an RD and they'll give you the LMNT license. How do you prove it? You have to eat like a cup of lentils or something? <laughs> no, you or? just send them your, your license card. I have I'm a little card jo- and they I'm send it to them and they're like, okay. So yeah, and then you pay a fee every year okay. to maintain well, it. I feel like I should get a bonus point for knowing lentils is a superfood. There we go. Um, Well, since I can't ask my expensive, healthy question. um, I'm glad we covered that one. (laughs) Aaron, what are some of your interests uh, or hobbies outside of work? You mentioned that uh, you live in kind of own a ranch or yeah. co-own a ranch? Uh, my husband has been ranching for, well, well, he grew up ranching. Um, and his family, if I recall, has been like in the ranching business for like, oh, it goes way back, like 135 years or something like that. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. So kind of north of Crawford area. 
Um, and I, I like to help when I can. I didn't grow up with cattle. So I grew up with, in like a farming agricultural community, but I didn't grow up with cows. That's so like a whole different deal. So you, you have the garden and your, your husband tends yeah. to the cattle. Yeah. Right? I, well, I try to help. <laughs> okay, I, I do like riding horses. So, um, next, next week we trail home from government. We have a, a pasture that's clear up North and, um, it's like a 10 mile trail and we just ride our horses and, you know, some people use four wheelers, but my husband and I and the kids, we like to ride and, um, we walk them 10 miles back home and we, you know, trail them up there every spring and trail them back every fall. And that's kind of one of my favorites. And, and then branding is a good time. I really, cause I like to do the food. So I like to put on this big buffet of food for all the help that come out every every time and that's that's my contribution i do help with calving although i will say i'm a little skittish so anytime anytime one looks at me wrong like she's gonna turn and come after me i'm like on the fence in no time at all so i'm not i'm not the most helpful there but i do try every once in a while because i know my husband gets really tired and he checks oh gosh last spring was horrible we had that was it like a week and a half Mm -hmm. of below temperature below zero temperatures And, oh, my gosh, he was just checking around the clock all night, all day, and he was exhausted. And after 10 days, I was like, oh, I'll do a night check for you. But I remember the whole time I had the spotlight, and I'm like, okay, is there a mountain lion up in those trees? Is she going to come over here and kill me? Am I going to step in this big hole and face plant it? Like, I was like, the spotlight was just, like, all over the place because I was trying to... So I was psyching myself out, essentially. But yeah. well, I, <laughs> I try to do it every once in a while because I know it's a very hard – it's a lot of very manual labor, and oh, I, I try to help him. Certainly. I, I, the ranchers, uh, the ones I know, and I'm, I, I'm assuming all of them, yeah. otherwise you're not a successful rancher. Right. work so hard. Oh, they do. And, and that's the other bit that's becoming a really big passion of mine is, you know, like – ranchers really love their animals you know you hear these things about like factory farms and all this stuff and i'm just like that is not how it is and it's just sad to see ranchers you know kind of getting you know a slap on the hand for things that they're not even doing in the first place Mm -hmm. and i actually just had that conversation with some students and, and he was just genuinely curious and so was she and she was talking about you know the humane treatment of animals and stuff and i'm like we we do everything we can to help our cows and or calves or both, you know. And I said last year we had a deal where we gave them a shot and it reacted with another shot that we had given them and it made their joints really stiff. I didn't know this even happened, but <laughs> apparently it does. And so we had 14 cows the next day who their joints were so stiff they couldn't get up. and I was like oh my gosh and of course my husband was not in the best frame of mind he was a little upset about it but and I don't blame him I mean those that's that's our livelihood and so we went out with an IV and we IV'd them all that day and that takes a long time and that was my job and um and then every day for like a week we'd go out and we'd give them water we'd give them food and then we had this hip thing that we'd lock on their hips and lift them up with the loader of the tractor because if they lay down for too long, they lose circulation in their feet and then they really can't get up. Um, and so we would do that and we'd prop them up and each one for like a half an hour every day, we'd go out and we'd prop wow. her up and try to help her get up and get up underneath her and get her walking again and give her more water and more food, even though the one, if she could have gotten up, she would have killed me. <laughs> but luckily she couldn't get up because, yeah, she was... She was mad. <laughs> and they, and, but they're all good now? Yeah, and they're all fine. Oh, so, well, that's great. Yeah, they all lived, and, and they all 
walk now and yeah so we we were very lucky yeah so but yeah i mean we we love our animals we mm-hmm. we treat our animals with the, you know we we want them to be well and happy and sure yeah and all that stuff too so that that's kind of another big passion of mine is kind of setting the record straight you know kind of telling the other side of the story because that's the side of the story that you don't hear very yeah. much in the media. Oh, that's good to so know. yeah, yeah. I, now I'm curious to know what what's your what's your branding spread because I've I've been to a couple <laughs> brandings and usually it's like sloppy joes and a bag of chips Ooh, or I something. go way above and beyond that. <laughs> okay, all right. So, you know, food is my deal and that's like sometimes, you know, my healthy food and my my love for baking and cooking really just like collide and and don't really mesh well. But so for um for my branding, I like to smoke things now. I'm like nice. really into smoking and slow roasting and stuff. And so um, I like to do a lot of roast and then I'll smoke it and do like a really good coarse pepper rub and salt and, and a few other seasonings, garlic especially. And I'll like smoke it for oh, usually like six hours, six to eight hours or something like that. And then I slice it and put it in a roaster. And so that's my, my main dish. Wow. And then I always have, (laughs) I always have, um, like mashed potatoes or something, some kind of potato or cheesy potatoes or something. Cause I mean, you gotta eat, you gotta meet people where they are. They're hungry. They're not going to eat the salad, which actually I hate salad. So that's (laughs) (laughs) uh, telling all my, my closets here. I like a salad if someone else makes it for me. Oh yeah. That's the best. I'll eat it if someone makes it for me, but for me to make my own salad, it's not going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll have like a a buffet of desserts because I love sweets and I love dessert. And and so I have my, my special desserts that I've found go over very well. Um, and then I'll do some kind of like green bean something, something with green beans or, uh, like, a uh, I make like, um, like a six bean type of, uh, what do I want to say? Like a ham and beans type of deal or. Oh, sure. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. But I use hamburger. Um, yeah. It's like, I think they're called cowboy beans. Um, but anyway, something like that. And, and then a few other types of salads, like a fruit salad or something like that, but I don't get crazy with. Do you have like homemade rolls or anything? You know, they don't go over very well. I oh. love making bread, but oh, it just, it's like so hit or miss. Um, sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, sometimes I like to make like the, the butter horns or crescent rolls, you know, make my own. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm a big thing. My big deal is making things from scratch. Like I love making things from scratch. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years, I, I'm pretty sure my kids and I had to polish them off because <laughs> they didn't go over very well. So, well, that's good. I mean, yeah. you've got five of them. They got to I eat do. Too, so. Yeah. They, and they like to, they love to eat. They're big kids. So they will be, we will be going through a lot of food. I'm sure our grocery bill is going to be ridiculous in the next couple of years. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that. Buy like yeah. four gallons of milk at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I think we've come to our quick hitting questions. This is the really hard question, okay. by the way. Um, so just you know, quick answers. What is a favorite movie of yours? And I, is it something that influenced by the kids or is it something <laughs> you actually want to watch? Um, I actually don't have a – I don't watch a lot of TV because I don't yeah. have a lot of time for it. And I, I really like to do other things. But if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Steel Magnolias. Oh, that's a good yeah. – Did you I'm see a, the play they did a few years ago here? I did not. Oh. Oh my gosh! How did I? Miss? Well, I was probably working on my dissertation, yeah, so that's yeah, why I missed right it. <laughs> real, yeah. It's a yeah. real tearjerker. It is. Oh yeah, I love that movie. So yeah, that'd probably be my favorite. What's a What's a favorite food experience of yours? Food experience? Oh my gosh! Like or a, a like a restaurant? Food. Yeah, a restaurant or whatever. <sighs> or something that came out really successful for the um, 
the uh, branding buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, apple pie you made. That was great. Um, I don't know. I've made a lot of things. Um, I was really impressed the first time I ever made beef brujeau. Have you ever had that before? Mm, it's I've... a Italian. I love Italian food. So, okay. um, but it's a Italian. Like you take like a, a sirloin steak and you like make a mash of. It's usually like breadcrumbs and garlic and. Um, some kind of cheese or something, and then you roll like you flatten the steak out, and you layer it on there, and then you roll it up, and then you have to tie it, otherwise it'll fall apart, and then you bake it in a marinara sauce. That sounds good. It, it is really good. I, <laughs> um, I made that up for the first time a couple of years ago, and I was really proud of myself. Um, but I don't. Know, I just like to try new things. Um, I like going to restaurants, um, but you know, if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I want it to be like a really good restaurant. Mm. I'm kind of a food snob in that way, so. <laughs> Um, like I love Italian food. My dream though would be to like take a group of students and like eat our way across Italy. That would be oh, that'd be that'd great, be amazing. Study abroad trip. There yep. we go. There we go. <laughs> I think college relations needs to cover that. We do. I think that would be fantastic. So, um, I've tried a lot of stuff though. I I love sweets though, and that's where I I think my high fat diet that I typically eat has been able to counteract my love for sweets. So sure. that's nice, but. So uh, speaking of high fat, a couple of years ago, Daniel and I were at a conference and we ate at the Heart Attack Grill mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Highly recommend that, that, that five star. <laughs> Where if you weigh if you weigh more than like three hundred and fifty pounds, I think you don't even have to pay. <laughs> you don't have to pay when you eat, but um, yeah, just celebrates. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, their fries are fried. The French fries are fried in lard. Did you know that actually? Like, I think it's about forty percent of of lard is actually monounsaturated fat. So is that good or bad? That's the good stuff. That's the heart healthy stuff that's in olive oil. So lard's good. So see, Daniel, we did eat healthy we on did. that trip. I'm not we okay, did. so this is my deal. Like this is where the science is, like I said, about ready to flip flop. Is there's there's not a lot there's more less and less argument coming out that says saturated fat is as the devil, like we've pegged it for the last forty years. Yeah, but when you have it's a lot of it's marketing, right? Vegetable oil sounds healthy. It's but vegetables. it's actually legumes, not a vegetable. <laughs> yeah, true, very true. If you say lard, you know it's kind of like no offense. It's like you're from <laughs> all, you know. Yeah. It, it just yeah. doesn't really roll off. It the doesn't tongue. roll off the tongue. No, <laughs> so we're getting off topic. Yeah. So, <laughs> how about one of your favorite books? Oh my gosh, this probably sounds really childish. Um, so I I like all kinds of books really. Um, as long as it's not like a textbook, because I'm I'm over reading all those. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have an exact favorite. I would say probably one of the favorites. <laughs> yeah. I I love like a good heartfelt romance or or like um. Sometimes I read Jodi Picoult, which she's I think I said that right. She's got the kind of mystery slash romance okay. type. Nice. Uh, I like Nicholas Sparks, and my favorite though is probably the series called Love Comes Softly. And it's kind of like a spinoff of like the um, kind of Little House on the Prairie, set back you know we're back in the you know pioneer days, and then it's got like a little bit of a Christian theme spinoff, you know, and she really attributes uh, or brings in some of those. Um, Christian type of components and okay. stuff like that. So I kind of really like that. It kind of sounds childish, but I love it. It's a really good, interesting read, and I don't know. I think that's what it really gets me. Although I'm reading another book uh, called um, uh, Left Behind about the rapture. That's really interesting, too. It's kind of freaking me out, but I really like it. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Aaron, how many times have you been to the top of Sea Hill? 
That's a really interesting question. Um, this is going to sound really bad for as long as I have been at CSC and as a student or worked here. Probably four. Oh, that's that's not terrible. Oh, really? No. I, was no. expe- I was People are probably like, no. oh my gosh, you should at least do it once a month. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I think almost half of those were because it was required for a class. <laughs> or maybe all of them. Uh, I can. I think I was a, lo- a long time ago. I was part of this club called Wildlife Club, and I think we climbed it once. And then I think the other three times were because it was required for a class. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it all counts. It all counts. Yeah. Well, let's see here. What word comes to your mind when you think of Shadron State? Oh, um, I would just say homey. I don't know. Like it. It just. It's. I, it just feel feels natural. Like I've been here all my life. It just it was easy to transition into it, and I I still love living um, in this region and and working here. So, yeah, homie, I guess. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great answer. So yeah, nice. So. Yeah. That comes takes us to the end of our questions for you, Aaron. You did right. uh, five out of five, ten out of ten. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I was sure. glad you guys asked me because I, I this is I didn't even I had never known you guys even did this. So now I listen to it. So it's great. Yeah, yeah. we've had guests on. Yeah, yeah. you Boy, have. What are we up to? Like, you're thirty four. Yeah, you're number thirty four now. Oh, look at that. Lucky number thirty four. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming in. We yeah, really appreciate well, thank having you. you. Yeah, definitely. So. You guys have a rest of your good, a good rest of your semester. So you too. Yeah.